I'm Sharon Brett-Kelly, and I'm at the top of Takaka Hill, looking down into the valley and right out to Golden Bay. And it is vast and it's empty. You can see there's a cluster of houses just down the hill there, but mostly it's farmland, bush, rugged mountains, and then the beautiful sea out in the distance. And only 5,000 people live in Golden Bay, yet there are at least 80 families, probably many more, who just cannot find an affordable house to live in, to rent or to buy. So I'm off to find out exactly why. And I'm going to catch up with a man who is working on a solution. Well, this looks very familiar, Chris. <laughs> I think this is the very thing you did when we, when we came to that house number one 18 months ago. 18 months ago, I was in Takaka to talk to Chris Bennett about his goal to build 100 affordable homes in Golden Bay. Now I'm back to check on progress. I'll meet the solo mum of two who is about to move into a new home. Oh, it's so exciting. I mean, it's beyond what I kind of ever dreamt of. I never thought I was going to be able to build a brand new home. Her mother, who owns the land. It was like a miracle that my daughter has been able to get into a home. The builder. Biggest challenge is just getting them done quick enough. The Tasman District Councillor. Long gone are the days of quarter acre section, work till you're retired, your mortgage was paid off. We're in complete different ground these days. The young woman desperately searching for somewhere to live. I currently have about three weeks to move out of my current rental and I don't know where I'm going. And I don't want to make myself sound special because actually that's endemic in this community. And Chris himself, the executive officer of Golden Bay Mohua Housing Project. Watch your feet. Okay. Last time we spoke, he was struggling to get the right funding. That's sorted. But now it is the rules and regulations that hold up the work. We're at house number five, a simple three-bedroom cottage budgeted to cost $200,000 to build. So tell me about house number five. Who is this house for? This is for Karina, who is a solo mother who lives in, in Takaka. And she has two children, and we're building it on family land. And when will it be finished? Uh, it depends upon how quickly she and her family can um, seal the cladding. To keep the cost down, we let people do as much as they can to participate in the building. Uh-huh. And so she's handling that side of it. And once the house is clad, fingers crossed, before Christmas, tight, but who knows? It all yeah. depends upon things that we can control and things we can't control. This is a rent to buy? Yes. The way that our rent-to-own model works is for the first three years, it's a rental. And one of the reasons for that is that this provides a credit history for us to meet the requirements of the Consumer Credit Contracts Finance Act, where we're not allowed to provide finance to someone who may be in a risk of having hardship paying us back. So having paid us $300 a week for three years, after that three-year period, we shift into the ownership phase. And so the actual cost of the build, whatever it is, is reduced over time as she pays that rent. When do you sort of hand her the ownership papers? At the end of that period, because we, we own the house until she buys it off of us. Fully? Fully. 
Okay, so at the but end of 20 years, because or, she's... Or, or sooner, if she, if she can pay off if sooner. If she can, yeah. yeah. Well, let's meet the owner-to-be, Karina Fates. It's so incredible to have the opportunity, you know, and, and the system is so set up that there's, for couples, you know, it's like there's no way as a single mum or parent that you're going to be able to go into a bank and get a bank loan. It's just not going to happen. You're still living in a, a rented yep. property. Yep. So what is it like for you as, as a single mum with two little ones? You know, on one hand, I'm I'm really lucky that I got a long-term rental, you know, but, but the rent's incrementally gone up. It's now $450 a week, and that's that's not even the, the power or the internet. Um, How do you manage to pay that? I mean, that's it. Every single week I'm having to scramble to pay it, you know. It pulls on your sort of deepest survival system, you know. It's like constantly in that state of stress trying to make it all work. Well, how do you... I mean, I, I do body work, so I do a lot of trades for food and things, which, you know, we, we've got a beautiful community here in, in the sense that... Green dollar. That, yeah, exactly, which that's really amazing, and I'm working a bit, and, and I do receive some money from the benefit, and often, you know, I'm having to, yeah, not buy food or go to the community workers and get a food box, you know, it's like, which is amazing that we have that. How did that happen? I mean, did you put yourself down on the list? I put myself down on the list, yeah. I heard about Chris's project. My mum actually told me. Initially, actually, I was like, oh, I'm going to move on to the land with my parents. You know, it was like a bit of a process. But it's like, actually, you know, I mean, I'm just so, yeah, so, so, so grateful. that. and, And again, you know, this is that I'm really lucky because my family does have land, so it's an option. What's the arrangement? How's it going to work? The trust are loaning the money. And yes, I'll pay the trust. I think it was 250 a week and then 100 to my um, parents for the land lease. When do you hope to move in? I think sometime around Christmas or a little bit after by the time all the painting's done and things. We're off next door to meet Karina's mother, Lolly Dadley Moore balancing it to get down these stairs. I want to find out about Lolly's role in making this dream happen for her daughter. This looks like your quintessential um, Golden Bay property here. So we've just walked past a, um, an old bus sitting under a shelter that Chris has just said man and his young wife and baby lived there for a while. And we're just heading to a little cottage so I'll leave you with I'll leave Hi. you with Lolly, and I'll put her around. Tell me your story and your daughter's story. How how did it all come about? Mm, okay, we've um, had this property for about five years, but um, before we were property owners, uh, we spent a lot of time moving with our own family as they were growing up over the years. We're talking like eighteen times in eighteen years, and. That is just the situation. That's how it is here. We Why had, is it? It's, it? it's just so out of reach for a lot of young families. Most people who buy a home get a leg up somehow. They get inheritance. Um, they get family helping. Then the actual rental accommodations available are really thin on the ground. But you own this So we bought this place, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, the bank owns it. Once we got in here, we thought, well, there's actually a little paddock there, and we had goats in there and sheep in there, and we'd heard about Chris's um, endeavours and his project. 
um, and Karina had been put on the list of being eligible. I was like, well, we've got land there. You know, to live together would be amazing because you've got the support of a family. Was it straightforward even making it legal, you know, to enable that other house to be built? Chris Bennett happens to be a real powerhouse and a mover and a shaker. So navigating council and resource consent, um, I, I believe there's a social housing element to it. So that really helped to get the resource consent because we're in a rural zoning here. Then we bump into Redwood Ryder, who has her own housing crisis. I've lived in Golden Bay for 15 years. Absolutely love this community. In that time, I've lived in several different houses. I currently have about three weeks to move out of my current rental, and I don't know where I'm going. Is, is it out of the blue, or did you know this was coming? Oh, they gave me notice. They gave me six months' notice. I've been looking for a new place for six months. Wow. Yeah, and, and, and I'm well-loved in this community. You know, everyone's telling me. I'm picturing everyone sort of crouching down because everyone tells me they have their ears to the ground for me, you know, so I'm not complaining about lack of support. It's just a, but still it's a hard nothing? situation for lots of people. I've got one long shot hope, and I'm not going to say what it is on the radio. <laughs> so what is it for you? Are there places to rent, but they're too expensive? Rents have been going up the whole time that I've lived here just getting higher and higher. And when you have a housing shortage, it's very hard for tenants to negotiate on rent because if a landlord can find someone who's willing to pay that, they will. Mm. And, you know, fair enough. Right. Yeah. What can you afford? I don't know if I want to commit to that on the radio. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but I'll do everything it. I can to find a new home, and well, I'm just trusting yeah. it'll come because Golden Bay is a kind and caring community, so I know that whatever happens to me that I will be taken care of. It might be somebody's spare bedroom or something. If they want me and my cats. <laughs> I'm at one of the many beautiful beach settlements dotted along Golden Bay. It's a mixture of old and new homes. Some look lived in, but a lot are firmly locked up. And that is a big part of the problem. I'm off to talk to Chris Hill, Tasman District Councillor for the Golden Bay Ward. Housing changed here quite a while ago, quite a while ago now, where house prices went through the roof. A lot of people came in buying and buying holiday homes. So something, I think something like a third of our homes here are empty. So you could say there are enough houses in Golden Bay to house everybody, but um, people own two or more uh, around the country, don't they, and have batches. So... Here. And I think when the house prices went up, rents started going up, you know, and, and became really unaffordable. So quite a long-standing issue now is people who grow up here or are from here, whose families are here and would like to stay, uh, younger people can't because they just can't afford the rents. So that means that you're losing a lot of young people? Mm, people leave, you know, I've got family members who, they're here, but they're, they're, their rent's tight, a couple of kids, I don't know how they manage really. We're a low-wage district, retired people on fixed incomes. What can the council do about it? Mm, about rents? Well, about rents, about providing more housing for people. Mm. I think one of the things that council can do is to make land available that's zoned, you know, so that people can build on land. We have a big strategy around that, the future development strategy. But, you know, some people say to me, why don't council just build a whole lot of houses? Well, council aren't a... A housing provider, we have kind order for that. 
uh, council do own 100, maybe 120 homes for older people. I think the way council has worked in with Chris, or Chris has worked in with council is more correct, uh, is one of the ways that, that council can help generate more homes. You know, long gone are the days of quarter acre section, work till you're retired, your mortgage was paid off. We're in complete different ground these days, and so we need really different sort of models to provide housing. And I think that's what the trust and what Chris are doing. You can put a, a home on someone else's land and have a licence to occupy, and council are very open to this and wanting to support the project in whatever ways it can. You know, I've come into this small community and I'm, I'm only getting a taste of it, I know, but it's a real illustration of how difficult it is to build a house that, a, that an ordinary New Zealander can live in. You know, we're not even talking about getting a mortgage. We're talking about just building a house because Chris is telling me that there's probably 80 families waiting for an affordable home. The, the cost of land, you know, I mean, what's a section now? I don't know. How much? If you're lucky, $400,000 for a section. In Golden know? Bay. Yeah. Mm. And then building these days is incredibly expensive. So, you know, affordable housing is very hard to find unless you do something different. And this is a different model, which is what this project provides. We're back at Karina's three-bedroom home now to look at how this model works and to meet Rodney Watson. You're the chief construction <laughs> manager. Yeah, sort of foreman, uh, site, site manager. What do you think of the project? It's very good. It's, it's very different to the conventional uh, building structure. In what way? And, and so it's probably the goals behind it. You know, it's not fundamentally for a profit. It's it's essentially purely to provide accommodation as you know as efficiently as we can. What's been the response of the community to this project? What what do you hear? Keep at it and build them quicker. You know? Is that right? <laughs> the demand is not going to uh, diminish any time soon. So tell me about this because it's um, it's different from the. From the first house, mm. in what way? Well, like Chris was saying, the first four houses were SIP panels, which stands for Structurally Insulated Panels, essentially. So they're a, they're a, a sandwich uh, panel, polystyrene, and, and then chipboard or strandboard. Why don't you continue with that kind of...? Um, essentially trying another option. You know, the strategy is to explore various methods of construction and get a lot of information and uh, results from that and then put it together and then down the track say, well, this is the best one and we're going to stick with that. This is... This is a conventional timber frame house. Mm -hmm. Just out of interest, how much of this house would be New Zealand materials? Virtually all of it except the windows. Yeah, essentially. Uh, back to the Sips houses, that, that would be different. But this one's got a tongue and groove floor, mm -hmm. uh, solid timber. That's an expensive floor, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's Douglas fir, so it's not, it's not top shelf timber. But um, So that's just come from uh, the Tasman region. And the cladding is a cypress weatherboard. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's timber as well. That's from the same source. How much will this house cost? It sounds like it's going to be more than a $200,000 house to me. We're, we're, we're tracking in the right direction. It's hard to say because one of the challenges is there's always extra things like the water tanks, the septic system, everything else. 
How do you decide? I mean, you're saying that this, the owner of this place, single mother with two children, and this is family land. How come she's at the front of a queue of 80 Fano? Land is the key constraint for us in the sense that we were able to uh, obtain some land on lease from Tasman District Council. Um, otherwise, we required people to host the houses for us. And in this instance, uh, Katrina came forward. We had a gap in our build program. We had nothing committed for the team moving forward. And she said, my family will provide land for the house. And so, therefore, we assessed the family because one of the questions is, why doesn't the family pay for this themselves? We assessed that that wasn't viable. Um, we assessed that she was eligible for our support. And so it entered into our build program. Yeah. Just going up the stairs now to the quarter-built veranda and inside into the house. So, so just as an example, there are many ways that you can try and reduce the cost of your houses. If you take this, for example, you know you have a meter box on the outside of your house, mm-hmm. and then inside the house you have a, a fuse panel. This is one panel with both. It may only save a few hundred dollars, but a few hundred dollars, all these errors, they add up. I just, I'm still trying to get to grips with how you can manage to do this mm. for, you know, 200-odd thousand. <laughs> so, so, for example, if you hire a builder, you would pay $80 an hour f- yeah. for the builder. These, these guys, we, they charge us $40 40, an hour. Mm, as 40, a num- 50, yeah. Half. As a number, right. You're cha- mm. Why? Why are you charging well, half? Well, 80 would be optimistic for the bay, but, um, I mean, for myself... Uh, I've I've just got a, a conviction for the project, you know, and I'm I'm not particularly concerned as long as you know <laughs> my basic needs are, are covered. I'm I'm not worried, and it's it's a good variety of work for me, rather than being uh, in an office, which is my other work. We're now at the site of a much bigger project for Chris. What are we looking at here, Chris? Hopefully we're looking at the future home of 14 pensioner flats for, for, for the town. So this is an area of uh, land just on the outskirts of town. It's zone rural one. But what's happened is we've identified this as an opportunity to actually build, um, let's say, seven duplexes, which would have 14 pensioner flats. And you've got the, and the plans, plans here. Yeah, concept yeah. plans. And currently... Tadford State Council has 15 people on their wait list for pensioner flats, so if we can build these, we would actually pretty well eliminate the need for pensioner flats in Golden Bay as for those low-income people. And this is really important because um, people who leave Golden Bay because they can't find a place to live because they don't have wheelchair-accessible houses or the facilities, they lose their social networks, their families, and this has identified one of the most important things to be able to age in place. So right now, um, after we finish our current... Um, nine houses. This is our focus to work on. So I'm trying to do a, a resource consent. And this is the project which we really hope the government would find worthy to fund under their affordable housing fund. So you'll k- kick into that next year sometime, hopefully. Working on it as we speak. Did you just, I mean, how did you find it? Do you just walk around Takaka and, <laughs> and think, oh, there's an empty block of land. I'll see what I can do with that. Um, yes, I do that. And, and it's interesting. I have a long list of places which I, I covet. Um, one of them, which was recently, was um, 
it came to my attention that Tazuchik Council had a section of land across from some water tanks, uh, which they have for the water supply for um, Pohara. And it's just a, a large area which would put five um, houses on. So I asked TDC, would you be willing to um, lease this to me? And they're working on that. So hopefully they'll come forward because the, the issue we have is right now this will crack the back of our pensioner needs, but we still have the 80 families on our wait list, so I need larger sections of land for them. Um, Tasker City Council also has areas of road reserve, which is not right next to the road always, mm. and so I've asked them to do some what they call road stopping to see if they could free that land for us as well. And, and again, they're very open to this, so they're looking at opportunities to help us out that way because if TDC comes to the game or able to help us, we'll then be able to build houses for this family families who are in need. Mm. Okay, where are you taking me to now? The parking lot. Parking lot? We're going to a parking lot. It's the scenic tour of Takaka. <laughs> what have we got here? The context here is this parking lot used to be the entrance to the old medical centre and St John Ambulance. And when they closed off the medical centre and they put a fence back there, it was, it was surplus to needs. So we approached TDC and we asked them whether we could use this to put two pensioner flats here. Mm -hmm. So the agreement we have is we've built these two flats you're looking at right now. These are 60 square meter, two bedroom uh, houses. Yeah. And then we have a $1 a year lease rate with TDC for the land. And after 35 years, the ownership will transfer to TDC as a capital asset. So we get the rent for 35 years from them, which covers our capital costs. It's a break-even situation for us. 18 months ago, you were talking about the funding side of things, and that was the, the, the big blockage. Now, it seems to me that you're trying to find ways of getting through the bureaucracy, the red tape. Yes and no, in the sense that we're now up to house number five that we're finishing right now. We've got numbers uh, six to nine ready to come off for the next ones. So we're really refining our process for how to build a house efficiently and as affordable as practical. But there are aspects to what we're trying to do where there are a number of blockages. And just one example, the government has the Consumer Credit Contracts Finance Act, the CCCFA, and we are providing a rent-to-own option for people under our project. And therefore, we fall under the umbrella of the CCCFA. That means that we have to go through the entire registration process to be able to provide credit to people. We have to ensure that those people meet the requirements of the CCCFA, that we will not put them into um, hardship, etc. And so this adds a whole layer of challenges to a small trust with four trustees, and I'm, I'm the only actually full-time unpaid employee. Another example is that around Takaka, rural one land is all there is. And the government has the national policy statement on highly productive lands, which basically says that you need to avoid building on rural one land. But it just requires you to go through a whole set of additional hurdles to show that this land is not, in fact, highly productive and that you're complying with national policy statement. You have the anti-monitoring law requirements. So on their own, all of these make sense, but they add a, a very large tax onto what we're trying to do, which is really just build houses as quick as we can for people to be as affordable as possible. What drives you, Chris? My faith. I, I believe that I'm a Christian and I believe that God means, means me to help people and therefore I'm doing the best I can to do that. So, again, for the context is I worked for the World Bank for 18 years and I've done development projects in 32 different countries and 
you, you develop a tenacity to try and get things done. And if you believe in it, it's not, not like a job. It's because you believe you're doing what you need to, need to be doing. That's it for today. I'm Sharon Brett-Kelly. The Detail is public interest journalism funded through NZ On Air and produced by Newsroom for RNZ. You can get us downloaded free to your mobile device every weekday from any podcast platform. Today's episode was engineered by Jeremy Ansell and produced by Sarah Robson. And thanks to Chris Bennett and the other good folk of Takaka. Kakite anō. Ka